One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 214. Okay, my friends, I hear you loud and clear. Lots of you are experiencing social media burnout, and I can relate. I've been there. The ever-shifting algorithms, the pressure to constantly create content, and the time suck of putting yourself out there over and over again, oftentimes with minimal returns on that investment. It is exhausting. Personally, I still really enjoy social media for the most part, but that's more of a preference than a hard and fast rule. And as regular listeners of this podcast know, social media is certainly not my main marketing focus. And beyond that, social media isn't for everyone. And it doesn't have to be. It feels kind of radical to say that on a marketing podcast, but it's the truth. You do not need social media. My guest today has made non-social media marketing the focal point of her marketing. And I am so excited to dig in with her. Rebecca Tracy works with aspiring life coaches, health coaches, healers, and other service-based businesses to build a business that will stand the test of time and not be at the whim of whatever the newest trendy marketing fad is. She helps her clients clear the clutter and brings them back to the foundation so that they can articulate their vision clearly and move forward. Rebecca's message is that marketing without social media, or at least without the need for social media, is totally possible. I found this conversation energizing and refreshing, and I know that you will too. In this episode, we discussed how to build your business without social media, simple free strategies that actually work, sustainable and timeless marketing strategies, how to build relationships, how to get clients outside of social media, and more. Here is my conversation with Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca, welcome to Making Good. Hi, thanks for having me. I am very excited to have you. I am very excited for the topic that we have ahead of us to discuss, which is how to build your business without social media. I'm sure we'll talk about other things too, but that's what I'm really (laughs) so curious to pick your brain about. Before we get into that, though, I would love to hear a little bit about the work that you do now. And maybe if there's anything you want to share about your path to getting to, to where you are now. Yeah. So the work that I do now is coaching for primarily service-based businesses. So my um, my business started with many twists and turns. I've been doing it for about 12 years now. But now at The Uncaged Life, I primarily have one course that I teach. And it's mostly for coaches and coaching type businesses. So anyone who kind of incorporates coaching into whatever they do. Um, and I really focus on the foundation. So I focus, I feel like, on all the steps that what I have found a lot of other business building programs tend to skip over. <laughs> so things like really getting clear on like what you do and who you serve and how to how to actually do market research and figure out what people want to buy and making sure that your offers line up with those things. And a lot of the foundational work that's honestly just not that shiny and kind of boring and annoying <laughs> to do. Um, but I find if you skip it, then 
a lot of the other marketing strategies and business building tactics that other people tend to be teaching out there don't work. And so I find I, I tend to catch a lot of the folks who have done all the courses and aren't getting anywhere. And I'm like, come back to me. We're going to go back to basics. We're going <laughs> to teach you how to, you know, how to validate your idea in the first place. And then we're going to send you out to do all the shiny marketing. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a really good place to start, actually. So, you know, I know one of the things I read in your bio is a line that I love, which is you teach business owners how to get clients by nailing their foundations. So I think this sounds very good. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds good, but it's not that sexy. It's not like I'm going to teach you how to get a million followers on TikTok and I'm going to teach you a blah, blah, blah strategy. But it is important. (laughs) Not shiny, but important. Well, so often the most important stuff is the least sexy stuff. It's like, you know, consistency, showing up, keeping going when it's hard. Like, you know, all of that is the actual kind of needle moving stuff. And I think foundations are definitely in that category. So when you talk about like nailing the foundations business wise, what, what would you say those things are? So, and so I, I know that a lot of your folks are product-based businesses. So I'm like in my head, I'm like, okay, how does this apply to them? But I'll, I'll share my knowledge, which is mostly for service-based businesses. Um, so those for services tend to be niching in and not just like filling out an ideal client avatar exercise and calling it a day, but like really understanding what problem it is that you're business solves if you're selling a service. And then actually going out and doing market research with those folks. So making sure that the idea that you have is actually lining up with what people want to buy. And I find a lot of coaches and healer type businesses tend to go wrong with this because they have an idea and they don't actually go out and validate it. And then using that information to create packages um, for your clients. So not just selling hourly one-on-one services, but actually packaging it up. And then just really understanding how to talk about it all in a clear way. And this doesn't mean having like a perfect elevator pitch or fun tagline or anything like that. But I find that when I, (laughs) I always say I can like look at your website in 30 seconds and tell you whether or not you have a foundations problem. Like, do I get what Mm -hmm. you do or not? Because I find sometimes we get so in our heads about what we do and we're just so like deep in the work that when we try to articulate it, it just gets way overcomplicated with like our process and our, you know, what we think, what we think about the world and these kind of bigger concepts. And we really almost need to just, I don't want to say dumb it down, but really, really simplify it um, so that you can articulate it to people. They get it. Your content is clear. Um, Yeah. So that clarity piece is really key in the foundation. So niching. Uh, strong messaging, market research, creating your packages, and just knowing how to talk about it all. Mm -hmm. Boring. (laughs) Not boring. Not boring at all. Well, not to me as a marketer (laughs) myself. But I think certainly everything you said, like there are parallels for the product-based business owner too. Like you may not be putting together, you know, your packages of coaching or services that you provide, but you're putting together what your offers are and making sure that those are things that your audience actually wants. A big piece that you emphasized in that is market research. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love, do you have any tips or just like what guidance do you offer your clients and your community around like how to really get to know your ideal customer, how to really get to know what they want, what they would be willing to pay for, like what that overlap is between you and what you have to offer and your ideal customer and what they'll buy. Where where would you tell us to start here? Yeah. So 
And again, for the service-based folks, because market research for products is a whole other thing, which I think is what people tend to think of for market research. I always think of like, you know, if Nestle's making a new cookie, they're going to go and like market research it and product, you know, test it. But service businesses don't tend to think of this as much. So first of all, I like to really, really, really simplify your niche so that it's just what problem you solve. Like, what's the problem that your clients are having that your business solves? And then for the market research piece, I send my students off to actually go and talk to 10 people who have that problem. And talking can mean either like putting together a survey, asking them questions, getting on the phone with them, whatever, but just getting in front of them and like having, getting some information from them. And the things I really want them to focus on usually are, um, you know, what's the biggest, what's the biggest struggle you're having with this thing, whatever the thing is that's going on or not going on (laughs) in your life. finding out more about you're really kind of mining for like the language that they're using around it. So how are they articulating it? How is it showing up every day for them to be dealing with this thing or struggling with this thing? Um, what have they tried in the past to fix it? I think that's a really, really the key one. Cause then you can kind of position yourself against the other things they've already tried to show them that like, this is a different option. Um, mm-hmm. and then what they just, what they want instead, like what kind of outcome are they looking for at the end of this thing? And if you could just swoop in and like, tell them anything, give them anything, what would they want? And then I sometimes find it helpful to ask people if they've invested in what else they've invested in to help solve this. So kind of the same as like, what else have they tried? But specifically, like, what are you what have you spent money on? Um, to get a yeah. sense of whether or not your service is something that's actually like in their mind as a potential solution to this. And it's okay, if it's not, but if it's not, then we just need to close that gap for them. Mm-hmm. So good. So interesting. And I think this is all applicable to product-based businesses and service-based businesses. Like it's really all about, like you say, getting to know your ideal customer, what they want, what they've tried, what frustrates them. True. I guess it's probably even, it's, you know, it might even be easier for product business because you have, you have this tangible product and it's like, Hey, have you tried a, have you bought a journal before? What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? Like, what do you wish it had? Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can get really specific with it where when it's like a coaching service, it's not always as tangible. Yeah. I would love to have a product-based business, by the way. Really? <laughs> I've said it so many times where I'm like, man, it would be so fun to just sell a product that's not myself. <laughs> like, How oh much fun gosh. would that be? <laughs> I bet there are so many product-based business owners listening who are like, I would love to have a business where I didn't have like an entire room full of supplies (laughs) and inventory. Yes. It's a whole, that's a whole other piece of it for sure. Yeah. But think of how lucky you are that you don't have to market yourself. You just get to market your product. Yeah. Yeah. So many less mindset issues around that, I imagine. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. You have to really believe in your product. True. Yeah. If you have that part down, then, then I think you're good. Okay, so I'm sure that I've I've piqued everyone's interest in my intro when I said that we're going to be talking about how to build your business without social media. I think in this day and age, that feels like that's almost a shocking statement for, <laughs> for a marketer and like a marketing podcast to suggest that you could do. So what would it look like to build a business without social media? How are you doing this? How do you teach people to do this? Let me... Let me caveat this by pointing out the elephant in the room, which is that, you know, I I have a whole web training that I teach on how to market your business without social media. And I market it through Facebook ads and (laughs) we post it on Instagram and I inevitably get comments that are like, what are you talking about? Like, look at you. So I always like to just explain that because I think it's important. So I think the important thing to understand is that you don't have to market through social media. And particularly if 
if you're running like a one-on-one type service business where I have a scaled program where, you know, I've, I market organically and have been doing that for years. And so I kind of add social media on top of that, but I don't have to. And it's also not the best place to be spending your time or your money, especially if you're a new business owner. So I will caveat that by saying we do use social media. However, there's still a ton of different strategies that we use that are off social media and how I grew my business when I started. I don't even think we had Instagram when I started my business. But what's funny is I have been through many trends of different social media platforms that have come and gone. So it's been fun to kind of see which ones have stuck around. So the main things that I recommend are number one, niching in, like getting really, really niche and really developing yourself as an expert in something and in a particular area in your field, whatever, because that's going to be the thing that's going to make it easier for people to find you through the next couple things that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. So evergreen pillar content, I think is a great one. So just creating some content that can sit out there on the internet and like do its thing for you. So this could be on your blog. It could be a YouTube video. Can you just for anyone who doesn't know what like either of those words means like, so evergreen content, what's that? And what do you mean by evergreen pillar content? Yeah. So evergreen content would just be any content that you create once and lives out there on the internet and just stays there forever like a nice evergreen tree. (laughs) Don't have to water it. Don't have to do anything to it. It just kind of grows. And I think that's a lot different than if we think of social media where, you know, the content could technically be evergreen. It could be sitting there, but based on what the algorithms are doing and the initial engagement you get, like it could get buried way deep in the evergreen forest down there, which is not Mm -hmm. helpful to you. So something like content on your blog, um, a video platform like YouTube, which is a massive search engine. And this can be super, super simple content. So by pillar content, I really just mean content that is speaking to one of the really core problems that your clients have. So I'll give you an example. Um, One of the students in my program, she is a life coach and she works with women who are in a new job or a new role who are having a confidence crisis and having imposter syndrome and freaking out. And Mm. years ago, this is probably five years ago now, she created a couple YouTube videos. She is by no means a YouTuber. (laughs) These are not you know, professionally nicely produced videos. It's like her sitting at her desk talking on a camera for I think five minutes. And the title of the one YouTube video that I'm thinking of in particular is why you're so overwhelmed in your new job. And so it speaks really clearly to the language that her clients are literally sitting there Googling. And in it, she shares, you know, that most people are overwhelmed. They think it's because ABC and actually it's because of XYZ. And so you need to fix these. And she's a mindset coach. She really focuses on the mindset piece. So she really kind of shows them that it's not your boss or these external circumstances. It's actually this other thing over here. And you're not crazy for feeling like this, but here's how you need to solve it. So she kind of leads them into her messaging and her perspective. And this video, it's so simple. And of course, she got the idea from this content and the things that she said in it from her market research. And I always use it as an example in my webinar. And so every year when I do the webinar, I go back and I look and it's gotten like even more views and more comments. And so it's got like hundreds of thousands of views and I think 700 comments. And all the comments are like, Oh my God, she's reading in my mind. This is exactly Mm -hmm. me. Like, this is exactly what just happened to me. And they go and share their story. So she's really, Mm -hmm. really connecting with people. And she has not touched that video for five years. And it's, I would say, this might have now shifted because she started a podcast. But as of last year, I think it was bringing in like 80% of her client consults. And it just lives there on the internet. (laughs) Something she created, super simple, five minute video. 
So that kind of stuff that's so niched in and really, really, really speaking the language that your clients are like Googling and searching um, and then understanding how to use your messaging to kind of draw those people in is just so powerful and so easy and so mm-hmm. much better than like posting every single day on Instagram, in my opinion. Yeah, it's such a better like return on the time that you invest. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I see that to be true a thousand times over with my podcast, like... Yeah, uh, the content that I create for this podcast is so much more useful than one single individual piece of social media content. I do both. Like I love social media. So I also do that. But I think it's so important to invest in long form content. And I think this I just want to say, like, if you're a product based business owner listening who thinks that this doesn't apply to you, it totally does. I think for a lot of product based businesses, you're going to want to choose something visual. So either a blog where you can have photos or YouTube is another like slightly higher barrier to entry, just like you need more gear and like it's a little more technical, but that's also a good option. Yeah. But let me, so I'm going to tell you the name of the coach. So her name's Erin Foley. Um, Cause I think people can go look at her video. She doesn't, ha- she certainly doesn't have any equipment. I think she's like got her laptop open and is like talking to it. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. not, you know, it's, it's, you think of like YouTubers, it is not that in any way. And it just brings her so much business. And so I think that's important because it can feel like there's a barrier to entry to doing these other things. Whereas like, Oh, I can just get on Instagram. Although I'd argue Instagram also takes longer than the amount of time it takes me to make a reel is probably much longer than it took her to make that five minute video. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's good to go and actually watch, like go check out her video yeah. um, because you can see it's just so, so simple. Okay. We will link to that for sure in the show notes. And that's great to have an example. So then that's one, that's one strategy. The other strategy that I really love, and this definitely works for product businesses too, is getting yourself and your brand in front of other audiences that already exist. And again, this is kind of the thing with social media where you're like posting on your page and like, yeah, using hashtags and whatever else you're even supposed to do now. I don't even, this is how much I don't, <laughs> I don't really use social media. I don't even know what you're supposed to do now to get seen over there. Uh, we have a social media manager that kind of does those things, but I stay out of it. But if you can get yourself, you know, you're posting on Instagram, sorry, and you're posting to your own existing audience, which is usually pretty small when you're starting and you're really relying on those algorithms to make sure people find it. And once in a while, sure, something might, you know, go viral for good or for bad. But if you can, like, for example, do exactly what we're doing right now, get mm-hmm. on somebody's podcast, be a guest in their membership. If they have a thriving Facebook group, go and offer to do a free training. I actually just did a webinar today with uh, my friend and colleague, Michelle Warner, who teaches networking strategies. And so I brought her into my community. So I sh- that means I shared her with my Facebook group of 15,000 people, my email list of 15,000 people for her to come in and do her training. So when you can kind of create those collaborations that just let you get so much more exposure and really targeted exposure, like you're getting in front of the actual people who would be buying your product or service, it just goes so much further. It's like you said about return on investment, so much further than sitting and writing blog posts endlessly for your own website where you don't have any subscribers yet or constantly being on this social media hamster wheel where you're having to turn out new content like every single day and like no one's really even seeing it. I love that. So just to get concrete with this, like, where would you suggest that folks start when it comes to thinking through who to approach or what kinds of opportunities might be good in terms of leveraging an existing audience? Yeah, I think anyone that shares a similar audience to you, 
that isn't like your exact direct competition, right? Like we both do business and marketing, but we have totally different audiences, totally different niches. Um, I often collaborate with other business coaches who do other things like website designers, copywriters, um, who don't do as much of this, like the strategy and stuff that I do. So anyone who's kind of adjacent to your industry or same industry, but different, either different stage of clients or that you do slightly different things for them is a really good place to start. And I feel like it can sometimes be intimidating to be like, how do I reach out to someone who's like doing kind of what I do and ask them to like (laughs) be on their thing, right? So it definitely... Actually, it's funny because the training that I did, um, that I brought uh, my friend Michelle in this morning to teach was all about networking. And so her whole thing, which I love, her program is amazing. It's called Networking That Pays. I definitely recommend it. Um, It's all about how to start creating relationships so that when you do you know, ask someone to be on their podcast. You've sort of already built a real relationship. And so it's much more likely mm-hmm. that they're going to say yes than just a cold pitch. Cold pitches are great too. They work. Um, but starting to really form those relationships really intentionally with people who you think could make good collaboration partners or good referral partners. Yeah. And just uh, another thing to think about too, would be just your ideal customer. Like who do they buy from? So for product-based businesses in particular, like Okay, who does your customer also buy from? If you're a jewelry business who like makes sustainable jewelry that is good for like outdoor enthusiasts, maybe yeah. it's like, really hardy or something. Like who else does that outdoor person who likes really durable jewelry, like who else are they buying from? That would be a good person to target. Yeah. And outside of the jewelry business, like what else are they buying for the right. outdoors? And like how can you get into trade shows, markets, like whatever things those people are at. Absolutely. So you talked about like live trainings in groups or um, even like a a live joint Facebook live or Instagram live or something like that would be another way to kind of jointly get in front of one another's audience. Also, like right now you're on on the podcast. That's Uh another example. What other forms might these collaborations take? Yeah. So sometimes they can be as simple as just like becoming referral sources for each other. So Mm -hmm. like, for example, I don't teach product-based businesses, as you can probably tell. And so I always need people to send, like I get people often who come to me and want to join my program. And I'm like, "Mm, it's not really going to be the best thing for you. And so I need people to send them to who specifically coach product-based businesses and vice versa. I know product-based business coaches who are like, I don't really do coaches. And so they send them over to me. And so even if there's not some big thing you're teaching or doing, I think just starting to build out that network so that you've got referral sources and so that people really understand and know what you do and you can send them to each other is a great one. Um, and then yeah, interviews, podcasts, um, webinars, trainings that you do together can be Interesting. I tend to prefer ones where like I'll go in and I'll just teach my thing to somebody else's audience and then vice versa versus trying to like collaborate on creating something new, which is just a whole other, it's just more work, I think, and more complication. <laughs> um, but that's an option. Uh, when I when I started my business, I don't know, I can't remember how long you've had your business. You might remember these days, but guest blogging was a big thing. And so I just went on a spree, I remember in my second year of business, and I just pitched to any blog that I could find that was kind of within the realm of coaches or businesses or marketing or like, you know, in that neighborhood. Uh, and I just pitched them if I could write guest posts. And I, I wrote a lot of posts that year. I think I had like, 30 or 50 different posts that went live on other websites. But that got me a ton of traction really fast. I feel like blogging is kind of coming back. So maybe that can still be a strategy that works. (laughs) Yeah. 
I, I feel like blogging is a little different now in terms of like, I think maybe less people read blogs regularly. Like they're going to read the blog post when it first comes out, but blog posts can be found really well through search mm-hmm. or through Pinterest. So I think it's still worth doing. Yeah. We still get a ton of our traffic from a really old blog post that I wrote years ago, specifically speaking to life coaches. So yeah, blogging is not totally dead. I think it was for a while, but it's back. And SEO is always there. So that never died. One of the things you just touched on was about how to build relationships and why it's so important to kind of approach relationship building, like, I guess, from a less transactional view, like Mm -hmm. just build relationships for the sake of building relationships. And then later down the line, maybe you can collaborate or, you know, do something together. Do you have any tips for building strong relationships with other business owners? Yeah. Don't just email them and ask them to, (laughs) you can put a link on their website (laughs) for sure. Don't do that. I think just remembering to be a real honest human (laughs) is important. I think we can get weird when we start to think about like networking and like, it's this strategy that we're doing. I like to personally connect on things outside of business. So I'm a little bit too obsessed with dogs. I Mm -hmm. live and like love playing in the mountains. So there's little things like that where like if I see another business owner who I feel like could be a good referral partner or a good... Just somebody that I kind of would like to have in my sphere for whatever reason, um, getting to know them before ever talking about what they do or what I do or business or pitching or anything like that is always just feels more natural for me. So like, I'll usually like, again, here's where social media, I think becomes important and really great is that you can really get to know a lot about people's lives through it who you might not know otherwise. And you have a direct link to contacting them for the most part, if they're, you know, doing their own Instagram DMs and stuff. So I'll often like give them a follow on Instagram start commenting on some of their posts, not in like an obvious creepy way where, you know, I'm all of a sudden commenting on 12 different things, but it's just like being, it's like meeting a new friend, right? You kind of start to engage a little bit here and there. To me, that's for me personally, that just feels better than, you know, just going and trying to ask them for something. However, one thing that I have also done that's kind of the, the opposite of that is is actually go and go directly to someone and ask them if they do want to get on a call and when I do that, it's usually, it's almost always somebody who does what I do, kind of like what I was talking about earlier, does what I do, but for a different audience or else for like a different stage of their audience. And I always position it as, because this is usually true, it's almost it's always true that, you know, I've been following them for a while. I love what they do. It looks like they work with ABC business owners, uh, whatever clients. And I tend to work with people who are at this stage over here. And I'm always looking for people to refer my clients to when they're done with me. And it looks like you might be a good fit. So it's always positioned as like, I want to send people your way. (laughs) Can we, you know, I'd love to just spend 10 minutes to learn more about you do what you do so I can make sure I'm like giving people the right information when I send them to you. And of course, people want that because everyone wants referrals and that's you know great. And then often we get on the call, of course, they're going to ask you what you do. And it's just a really nice way to create this reciprocal referral network without having to spend months like getting to know someone. Like I've done that just cold out of the blue before and it's worked beautifully. I think it's just about going into it with the intention of like we're helping each other and like I'm not just asking you for something randomly <laughs> and expecting you to give it to me. Yeah. I actually, that's such an interesting 
not coincidence, but I have a call, I think tomorrow or sometime this week with someone who that was the exact approach they took was like, Hey, like I'm basically want to refer people to your program. Like I want to learn more about it and blah, blah, blah. I was like, Oh, okay. Like I definitely want to chat with you. (laughs) Why would I say no to that? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And with products too, right? If you're like, if you're like, I feel like we'd be a good fit for products. I see this happen a lot with service-based businesses where they like almost like swap email lists, which is like, Hey, I'm going to send my free thing to your audience and you're going to send your free thing to my audience. And we're just going to give each other exposure. And I feel like that can work really well with product businesses too. And like you're doing the other person a favor because you're giving them exposure to your people. So it's not just a one-way street. Totally. Yeah, totally. And even with product-based business owners, I've even seen them like collaborate on a giveaway or a contest of some kind Mm -hmm. or like a product bundle where, you know, it's a gift basket for Mother's Day that has a variety of different things in it. So there's so many different ways to approach it. And I think it's all about getting really creative about different ways you could create something together that your audience wants or like, how can you help one another serve one another's audiences? There's not like a strict formula of how to do it. It's just thinking about, like you say, like how can you get in front of another audience that already exists and give them something they want basically. And there's no rules. Yeah. And how can it be of benefit to both of you? Like making sure that it actually is, (laughs) it is, and it's not just a one way thing. One thing that comes to mind for me as I'm kind of talking with you about about building a business outside of social media or without relying exclusively on social media is so much of social media is like this shiny object chasing, like, you know, you see all the promises of 100,000 followers in 24 <laughs> hours with this one real strategy. And it, it can be very seductive to like go after these, I don't know, these promises that some of the social media marketers have based on what social media can deliver. How do we, even for folks who do want to participate in social media, but also understand that social media is not the only element of marketing. They want to kind of do some of the things that you've been talking about, Rebecca, creating great content, building relationships. They want to make sure to prioritize those things and not just end up spending all of their marketing time on social media. Do you have any tips for like resisting that shiny object syndrome that is very easy to get stuck with? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, <laughs> I resist it because I just see through the bullshit a lot of the time. So it's easy for me, but I totally get when you're, you know, when you're not in the business and marketing world, it is, it is just shiny and it is quite alluring. Um, I don't know. I think that, I think one of the biggest things is making sure that your business is actually in the right place to benefit from those things, regardless of whether or not you, yeah, like if you want to sign up for a program, I think I personally don't think that a lot of people who are selling these programs do enough vetting and make sure that the people who are signing up are actually a good fit. It's just kind of like, here's a sales page. Here's the program. Let me tell you all the results you're going to get. Here's a sales button. Bye now. And which is, you know, fine, but often especially if you're a newer business owner and you're trying to get things started, you actually don't know what you need. But I find that a lot of the time, those strategies don't work for your business if you're not at the right stage. So like if you haven't validated your market, you haven't actually ever sold anything, you've got a whole bunch of mindset issues around it. Um, you don't actually know you know, how to clearly talk about what you do. You haven't quite done that those foundational bits really. Then you can get kind of stuck. So I would always, if you're kind of getting sucked into some of those strategies, I would always stop and 
look at like, is what I'm doing already working? Because I think if what you're doing is already working, then those strategies can amplify that. But if you haven't really ever sold anything um, and the sales process is feeling hard, getting a million followers on TikTok is like not really going to help with that. So trying to start to get discerning about what you actually need for the stage that you're at, which can be really hard. So I don't know that that's the, the most helpful answer, but I think the more that you can really start to look at your business that way of like, what do I actually need versus just like any new strategy is going to help me. You'll get really good at it over the years for sure. And you'll, you'll have no problem resisting stuff once you buy into it and then realize it didn't work. <laughs> so yeah. sometimes you just have to do that a couple of times to start to realize, okay, I got to take a step back and actually start to get a little bit more discerning about what I need in this stage of my business. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Okay. Anything else you want to say about building a business without social media before we start to transition mm-hmm. a little bit? I just think it's important to know that it's possible because <laughs> mm-hmm. we see, like you said, we see so much of this marketing and it's funny because I was on the training that I was teaching with Michelle this morning. Of course, the people who were on there were going and like looking her up and they were like, Michelle, you like don't even have that many followers on Instagram and you don't post anything about business. It's like just your dog and you don't even have that many posts. And she was like, yeah, and I'm very, very successful. Um, and so I think just seeing it, understanding that it is possible and seeing examples of it is really important. Um, and if you mm-hmm. love social media, like you said, you love social media, go for it. Just, I think being really aware of whether you're doing it because it's a fun creative outlet or because it's actually helping your business. And like, it's fine if it's a fun creative outlet and it's helping your business even better. But when you start to notice that it's feeling like a massive drag and you're just doing your head in, you have full permission to stop doing it. (laughs) Just leave, leave your Instagram where it is. No, you don't have to post a goodbye post to everybody and just go focus on other things and see how it goes. You can even just test it. I'm always like, you know what? Stop Instagram, do something else. The amount of time you put into Instagram or using Instagram, but TikTok, whatever, go and dedicate that amount of time to one other strategy for a month and just see how it goes. Like test it, see what the results are. Yeah. And I think just the having the understanding that, most of us, 99% of us are going to need to market our businesses and marketing is not the same thing as social media. Social media can be part of your marketing, but it's not, it's not all of it. And it's in a lot of cases, it's not the most effective part, even if it's the part that we use most of our time on. So I think that's such an important reminder. Um, I would love to ask you how you approach doing good through your small business. I love what I do because I've always thought of it as like, I really get to help other people do good. All of my clients are in service businesses that are like helping the world in some way. They're life coaches, they're healers, they're doulas. They're just, they're all doing amazing work. That's like very heart driven and passion based and all of that. And so I love that I, you know, I teach marketing. So it's like, I do good in different ways, but the biggest good I do is helping them create their services and get them out into the world because it's such a great ripple effect that I get to have mm-hmm. um, through that. So that's definitely my favorite way of doing good is just helping my other, helping my amazing clients get their work out there. Yeah. And I love just the reminder that marketing actually in the right hands is a real way of doing good because it's a way of growing your business, which enables you to do more good. So marketing is not just, you know, mad men. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because the more I want my clients out there 
marketing themselves. I want them making money. I want them providing for their families. I want them, you know, just having the lives they want to have. And like, it's marketing that really lets them do that. (laughs) Totally. Okay. What is one small business that you admire? (laughs) Um, I really admire like really small local businesses. I live in a small town um, in British Columbia and maybe it's not that I admire them. Maybe I'm more like envious of them, but we'll go with it. Um, I just love like going into a shop and picturing a specific like kind of gift shop that we have here and like seeing the stuff that's in there. That's all from local designers, local artists, like local whatever. Um, And just, I don't know. I just think what it takes to open up like a, a location dependent business is just so different from what I do where everything's online and I like never leave the house for business purposes. Um, so it's may, might be that I admire, might be that I just envy them because it's just such a different business model, but I love finding like a really good local business. That's like all the products and things that they sell are from the local community. Okay. What is that local one for you? We will link to them. Uh, it's called grateful, grateful gift shop. Cute. Okay. Amazing. Um, what is a business book that you would recommend? So don't hate me. I don't really read business books. <laughs> I just cannot with them. I'm like, I get, I, so I'm more of like, let me watch the 10 minute Ted talk. And like, I get the gist of it. Cause I just find it's like, they just say the same thing like over and over and over again. But um, I have lots of friends who have written great business books. Um, I'm just not a huge business book person, but I tend to be way more into podcasts. So, okay, we'll take it. Yeah. So the podcast that comes to mind for this is um, my friend Claire Pelletro's podcast. It's called the Get Paid Podcast. Have you heard it? I actually have. I've listened to a few episodes and I am a fan. Yeah. Yeah. She basically just interviews all different kinds of business owners about like how they make their money and really gets into like how much are your expenses? How much do you take home? Like, what's the business structure? Just like all the behind the scenes stuff that you don't really get to see when you're just looking at business from the outside. So I really like it because she just like, she gets really real with the questions. And um, I've been on it a few times, which is fun. Yeah, highly recommended. She works with all different types of businesses, product businesses, services, and everything in between. The Get Paid podcast. Amazing. We will for sure link to that. Okay, Rebecca, this has been so much fun. I would love for you to share with my audience where they can connect with you, where they can learn more about your work and working with you, just anywhere you want to point them to find you online. Yes. Well, my business, um, my website, sorry, is The Uncaged Life. And I have a Facebook group, which I have had for, God, I started in 2013. So it's still still going strong. Um, Yeah, it's great. I've almost shut it down so many times. And then was like, why bother? It's Great. Um, it, I will say it's mostly for service businesses. So we've, you know, if you go in there looking for help for your product business, it's probably not going to be the best place. But if you're a service business, it's amazing. Um, it's called Uncaged Lifers, and we we are on Instagram. <laughs> my business account for the Uncaged Life is um, the as at the Uncaged Life, and then my personal account where it's mostly just dogs and mountains and me and my dogs on mountains. <laughs> uh, it's just my name, <laughs> Rebecca Tracy. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and for offering, you know, a new perspective on marketing and social media and just like giving people permission to imagine a, an approach to business and approach to marketing that is not exclusively reliant on, you know, keeping up with the latest algorithms and trends. I think it's really empowering and probably gives people a sigh of relief to know that that's possible. Yes, it's possible. Totally possible. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on.
Okay. So if you feel a weight lifted off of your shoulders after listening to this conversation, you are not alone. You can learn more about Rebecca and find all of the resources and recommendations from her at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 214. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful to have your support. Here are a few ways that you can get back to making good. First, let's connect on Instagram. Take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening and tag me at Lauren Tilden. I'd love to connect with you. Second, I would be so honored if you leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player and don't forget to subscribe and follow. And finally, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. Today's episode can be found at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 214. This episode was produced and edited by Corinne Monaco of Just Peachy Illustration. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.